Amen? We perish because of lack of knowledge. So sometimes we need to just sit and hear so that we can apply. Amen? Officially, I want to thank, I'm sorry, congratulate Pregan and C.S. Lintolay on their beautiful baby girl. You know, it's so special for Pastor Rowan and I because I've known Ceci from the age of, I think, five and Pregan around ten. So we've watched them come together. We've watched them get married. And it was such an honor to see them receive their first baby. Wow, it was special. And no, I'm not old. Amen. So this morning, we're going on with the series of the armor of God. And my topic for this morning is the shield of faith. As I said, today's message is jam-packed with information. So I encourage you to take notes so that you can meditate on it during the week. Please forgive me if I do read a bit, but I want you to get this. You know, it's not about me getting all charismatic and sugarcoating stuff and you getting goosebumps and walking out and then come Monday when something happens, you don't know which way to turn. Because the church is here to keep you informed so that when you go out, you're prepared for the battle ahead. Amen? So what, so what I want you to do this morning is pay attention, take your notes. I have a lot of scriptures to go through this morning because we have to confirm things with scripture. I don't want you to hear my opinion. I want you to hear what the word has to say because it's that word that's going to bring life to you. Amen? I was thinking about this the other day and I realized that church is not like going to the movies. When we were watching online, we were saying, bring your coffee and sit on the couch and whatever it is, it's almost like saying, come into the church and have a popcorn on the way and bring your cold drink on the way. Watch and go home because a movie has no effect on you. It doesn't prepare you for the next day. Amen? So when we come into the church, we don't come in for entertainment, but we come in to get refueled, mended, repaired, restored, and ready to go into battle again. After facing a brutal week, we come in to get restored. We come in to get revived so we can step out greater than the previous week. Amen? So I don't want you to go out tapping out of the battle, but I want you to stand strong in faith this morning. Amen. So we're looking at the book of Ephesians this morning. The same scripture from chapter 6. I'm just going to lay down a bit of a history and background. It's good to know the word of God. Oftentimes we know about the past of some actor or the president or whatever it is. But do we know from what platform Paul was writing in the book of Ephesians? What situation was he in when he wrote this book of Ephesians? So when Paul penned this letter to the church of Ephesus, at Ephesus, it was during a time that he was in prison in Rome. Ephesians is one of the four epistles of the Bible, which is known as the prison epistles, which is Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Romans. And I, when I looked at that, I realized Paul must have seen so much on the inside of those prison walls that he realized he needs to inform the body of Christ, hey, 
this faith is not just about walking on water it's about staying up on that water it's about not being influenced sidetracked you know being um depressed or stepping out because things are going to come at you and you need to be prepared so this letter was written to the people who saw the roman soldiers almost on a daily basis they were very familiar with the roman armor and that's why paul used the analogy so that the people could relate to each thing the helmet the belt the sword the breastplate amen the most important thing that i need you to note is that the armor is not given in a manner of the way the soldier would dress up paul doesn't speak about undergarments and all the other things but he gives specific things because in the spiritual realm these things are of importance the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth the shoes of peace so we're going to read Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 16 for those of you that have come out for the first time this morning i see quite a new lot of faces this morning welcome amen to faith jogbal give them a hand welcome them in to the house of god this is what we've been praying for on a wednesday that's what we've been trusting god for on a wednesday so it's awesome to see the fruit of that prayer amen verse 10 finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers against authorities against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore what you bind on earth you bound in heaven amen that's how it works so the realms are important therefore putting on on the full armor of god so that on the day of evil when that day of evil comes you will be able to stand your ground so he is saying the day of evil will come that you may be able to stand your ground james says trials and tribulation comes Paul says in Ephesians the day of evil comes it's confirming everything still confirms there is nothing in the word that contradicts itself verse 14 says stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame flaming arrows of the evil one so paul is laying out the armor of god and as we've done in the previous uh, weeks that we need to put it on in order to fight and win these spiritual battles because our wrestle is not with the flesh and the blood amen but against the schemes of the enemy and he makes it clear that victory is a result of being strong in the lord and the strength of his might only when you put on the armor of god that you are able to stand fight and win so like we spoke about the truth the righteousness and the peace today we will be speaking about the shield of faith above all it says and above everything that you've put on in verse 14 and 15 it says take up he doesn't say put on 
if we read carefully you would see everything was a put on put on your shoes put on the belt put on the breastplate yeah he says take up the shield of faith so it's a responsibility of you and i to take it take up the shield of faith amen oh, thank you jesus so when it comes to the shield he says take up or pick up so it's as and when needed the other three were used daily on a daily when you get up in the morning the three things that you would do brush your teeth wash your face have a bath it's a daily the shield of faith is and as and when needed that means on certain days you dress up definitely every day you don't dress up like you're going for a board meeting every day you don't dress up like you're going for a party so the shield of faith is that it's for a specific time to pick it up the shield the soldiers used in the greek is called tyros t h u r e o s for those of you taking notes loosely translated it means door it was wide and long enough for a soldier to crouch underneath it and hide behind as tall and wide blocking the entire soldier it never left him exposed in any way and when you're thinking about a shield it's not like the one captain america has it's not a round titanium with blue and red and no if you want to know what it really looks like they say that the movie 300 depicts it perfectly how high and how wide that shield actually is the shield was made of wood and covered in six layers of cowhide it was then dipped in water to quench the fiery arrows and maintained with a smear of olive oil because olive oil is not combustible to repair the hide making it very difficult to penetrate or get through the soldiers were also able to interlick their shields and cover the entire army from the waves of the arrows the other day we were praying and we were talking about corporate prayer when we come together as saints and why it's so important when we come together the gathering of the saints and i realized when we come together we are interlocking our shields So one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000. Think about all the shields that are in this building right now. What can we do? Interlinking faith, interlinking shields. And to identify each army, each shield had an emblem of the army they belong to. Like how we have churches, if you see faith logo on somebody's car you know they go to faith jobak so the army was the same they had logos on their shields to identify which army they belong to and as a believer we belong to god's army and on our shield is what the representation of the cross the price he paid for us amen so that is the shield and as long as the shield is pos- positioned correctly it is a great weapon of defense counter attack and interlinking cover three things a soldier wears a uniform daily 
but a shield was only taken out when he goes into battle and the bible says that the battle for us is on the day when evil comes according to ephesians 6:13 and that day for us is when all hell breaks loose in our lives when we are under attack when we feel threatened when our health is compromised when our family is compromised when our finances are compromised when our jobs and businesses are compromised when our emotional mental physical well-being is compromised that is the day when evil comes when it seems like a war zone on that day you need to be ready to take up your shield of faith and be covered by that shield Paul doesn't say that faith in itself or faith alone has a defensive power against the enemy. He says that you need to take it with a shield, not a helmet, not shoes, not a belt, not a knife, not a gun, but with a shield. So what is the shield? Or who is the shield? In Genesis 15 verse 1, It says after all these things this word of God came to Abram in a vision Don't be afraid Abram I'm your shield Proverbs 30 verse 5 says Every word of God is pure He is a shield to those who put their trust in him Psalms 91 verse 4 His truth God's point of view his truth shall be your shield and buckler Psalms 3 verse 3 but you O Lord are a shield for me and Psalms 5 verse 12 says he surrounds us like a shield so there is nothing exposed amen so now going through these scriptures we can see that God is that shield He's made it clear to us in scripture that no matter what rises up against us, he covers us, he is guarding us, he protects us, he is our protector, he is our defender, he is our shield. So then what is faith? Faith is a spiritual weapon of mass destruction. It is both an offensive and a defensive weapon. By that I mean that we put a shield up to protect us from the arrows coming our way, but we put our shield out to fight against so that the enemy doesn't attack us. Faith according to Hebrews 11 says it's a substance substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen yet. So faith is in plain and simple terms acting on the truth. And in order to have faith you have to find truth. Because whatever is tied to this truth is tied to your faith. Whatever is tied to this truth is tied to your faith. There is a version of truth and there is truth which is God's standpoint on the matter. So to put it like this there is a fact that you are sick. that is a truth and then there's the truth that says by his stripes you've been made healed and whole a version of truth everything else is a false version faith that is not tied to the correct truth 
is void of results. And what many of us do in a situation when we don't get results, the first thing we want to say is, I need to get more faith. I need to get more faith. I need to get more faith without even checking what truth are we placing our confidence in. The truth. We need more truth. Truth is not a feeling. You can feel full of faith and have no faith. And you can feel faithless and be full of faith. It will show when you are faced with a trial and a tribulation. When you are faced with a circumstance. Only then will you realize how much of truth you have in you. Faith is not feelings. It's based on circumstantially evidence. Feelings are based and are circumstantially driven. They are dependent on circumstance. And if your faith is tied to your feelings, then on good days your faith will be up and on bad days your faith will be down. When resisting the flaming darts of the evil one, general faith is not enough. What is needed is applied faith. So yes, faith and yes, the shield. He says, take it up. It's called applied faith. This faith that is action orientated is not feeling orientated. And so many times we make this mistake of equating faith and feelings. The only act when we feel confident and strong, but most of the time it is a lie of the enemy. He makes you comfortable in a lie. The shield of faith is not about how you feel. I'm going to say it again. But it's about knowing the truth and acting on it in response to situations and your counterattack will determine the faith. Faith is an access point to what God has already done. He says we should walk by faith. And the moment we act on that truth, his revealed word, he says he takes pleasure in it. Hebrews 10:38 says, "But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back." We are commissioned to live by faith. It is a way of life for a believer. It is what sets us apart from everything else. This faith life. Your faith is dependent on the amount of truth you have actioned. Faith is not just saying you believe something, but faith is demonstrated by and through taking action, by your absolute belief in something so much so that you will put whatever you have on the line to prove it is so. That is the kind of faith we are talking about when we are saying take the shield of faith. It's not general faith. Faith is acting like it is so even when it is not so, so that it might be so, simply because God said so. That blew my mind, because we're so governed by our feelings, but your faith says, I'm acting like what God said, even though I don't necessarily feel like it, but it, I'm standing on it because he said so. So again, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so that it might be so, simply because God said so. 
Faith is only as effective as the object in which you place it in. If you believe in the doctor's report, that is your truth. If you believe in the word of God, that is your truth. If you believe in your education will take you far only qualification, that is your truth. But if you believe in the word that he says he qualifies you, favor, that is your truth. So if God then is our shield and faith is actioning that truth, then taking up the shield of faith is actioning the truth of who God is through the conviction that you've acted out. Do you get that? The conviction is not through any word, but the revealed, the rhema word of God that brings us to a place of unconditional belief that no matter what comes your way, I believe it. If God said it, I believe it. If God said it, I believe it. It might not look like it, but I believe it. The situation doesn't look like God can do nothing, but I believe what he said he will do, he will do, he will do. That is the faith that Paul is taking. He's saying, take up that shield. Take it up. Verse 16 says, use the shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Fiery darts are an onslaught of arrows. I'm sure you've watched epic movies. When they shoot up in the sky, it's not one or two. It's hundreds flying over. And this is what the enemy does in the spirit. He releases these fiery darts in the atmosphere. In the atmosphere. And tries to make us question what our faith was built on. Because if the foundation is rocky, the whole building comes down. So he's trying to get at your foundation. And our foundation is the faith in his word. Establishing ourselves in his word. Rooting ourselves in his word. Insecurity, fear, doubt, temptation, anxiety, worry, discouragement. Questioning your ability. Guilt, hopelessness, just a few things of what the enemy will use to distract you and keep you unfocused on the truth of what God said. If the devil can get you to believe a lie about who you are and what you are capable of, you have just allowed him to abort your assignment before it could even begin. Because every assignment starts off with your confidence in that word that God said, yes, you are called. Yes, you have a purpose. We need to cast down these thoughts as Ephesians says, pulling down strongholds and taking captive of these negative thoughts as aggressively as they pursued you. As aggressively. So immediately, immediately react. Don't wait. Immediately react. The moment the thought enters your mind, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. God has called me. I have a purpose. I have a plan. He doesn't attack us, but he attacks the truth that our confidence is in our God and what is established on. It's not about us. It's about nullifying the integrity of the word of God. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, it started at the beginning. And we're going to go through that a bit because when I read it, it really, really opened my mind. Verse 3, sorry, chapter 3 verse 1 says, 
Now the spirit was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit, uh, sorry, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4 says, you will not certainly die, said the serpent to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good, sorry, and evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. From verse 1 going down, did anybody take note that she spoke to a serpent? I am petrified of snakes. It is my ultimate fear factor. I think I would jump out of my skin if I had to actually see one. And yeah, it says so casually, she spoke to the serpent. How subtle and what a sweet talker the serpent was, that she was blinded by his appearance, only listening to his words. What did God say? He wasn't out to attack her. He didn't bite her. He didn't hurt her. He didn't twist around her and squeeze the life out of her. He simply asked her, what did God say? Words. Because those words that we take and we build our faith on because we have immense conviction about what it is, we stand on it. Words. He subtly made her doubt the integrity and the authority of that word that God spoke to her and Adam in the garden. He planted in her mind thoughts. Maybe, could it be that the only reason God doesn't want us to eat this fruit is because he's insecure that I'm going to be like him? If I eat from this fruit, because if I eat from it, then I'll be just like him, then there'll be no need for him. This is what Satan does. He plants in your mind to remove the word and plant what he wants. And the end of it is death. The end of it is death. And how do we know that she doubted God's word once the enemy spoke to her? We're going to go back to verse 6. This is the proof. After the serpent spoke to her, the woman turned, Eve turned and looked at that tree again. She must have seen it over a million times 
she knows what the tree looks like but because of everything he planted in her mind you'll have the wisdom you'll be like god you won't need him verse 6 when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and she ate it she saw it from the viewpoint of what the enemy said it became more desirable when she looked back he tapped into her physical nature her human nature slowly stripping away that shield of faith that she had because she had confidence in that word that god spoke and said to them and now all of a sudden she's i don't know did he really say that because he doesn't want us to be like him he slowly stripped away the shield of faith because our faith is established in truth and now that truth seemed like a lie 1 John 2 verse 15 says Do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him For all that is in the world the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but from the world and the world is passing away with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever so whether we call it lust whether we call it desire the point is that we are attracted to these things and the enemy knows the weaknesses of the human the nature the flesh nature because we are not 100% god and 100% man jesus was 100% god and 100% man We are flesh and the spirit lives on the inside of us. The desires of the flesh are things that deceive us because they feel good. The desires of the eyes are things that deceive us because they look good. And the pride of life are things that deceive us because we think they make us look good. You see the serpent wasn't out to stop that faith. He just changed what she had faith in. She started off having faith in God, in what his word said. And the moment the serpent spoke to her, her faith moved from faith in God to faith in the lies of the enemy. That's why I started off by saying there is a version of truth and there is truth. And if we are not quick to discern it in the spirit we will lean towards a version of truth and then wonder why we cannot fight this battle we are weary we are tired we falling by the wayside we not persevering God says fight the good fight of faith it's a good fight why because he's given us the armor to go into battle but if we don't take up that armor we are defeated Imagine an, a soldier walking into battle without nothing. The first arrow that comes his way is dead. God says take up that armor. The shield of faith is our protection against the evil ones flaming arrows and our defense against the attractive lies of the enemy. 
So it's been proven in scripture that he is deceptive. He is a father of lies. He is a sweet talker. He is a deceiver of the brethren. Planting things, causing division, causing rebelliousness. People turning away from the word of God. The cry of every pastor in every church right now is not people come in so we need your money. No. We're concerned about where you're going to go when you die. We're concerned about how you're going to step into kingdom lifestyle if you don't apply the kingdom way of life. Faith is a kingdom way of life. Amen. Satan knows that there is power in the word because our faith is established in truth of his word. Psalms 107 verse 20 said, he sent his word. It didn't say he sent his power. It didn't say he sent anything. It said he sent his word and it's his word that healed your disease. His word. Words have life. There is power in the words that we speak and we decree. That is why we talk about that. What you decree from your mouth is forever established. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is hidden in your heart? It is a version of truth or is it truth? Because a version of truth leads to death. But the truth of the word of God leads to abundant life. The thief comes to Come on family, you know the word. The thief comes to to kill and but what did Jesus say? Wow. Can we put that scripture up? John 10 verse 10. I think I don't know it. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. We are so afraid to even speak the words so afraid to speak the words the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly how do we get this abundant life through our words he said he sent his word through our words everything that we need in life is surrounded and created by the words that we speak the words and here God says, take up the shield of faith so that you can stand firm against the lies of the enemy. The question and the, the questions that come across debating about what God told you concerning your family. The animal will say one thing. Jesus says that you will have a blessed life. The blessings of the Lord will overtake you. We sang that earlier. Your health. By, your, by his stripes you've been made healed. Your business. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. He doesn't want anybody to live in lack. He says he delights in the prosperity of his servants. And what will the enemy do in that case? Plant a seed. Now this God doesn't know what he's doing. Let me show you a way. But the enemy's way is not the way. Jesus is the way the truth and the life. Amen. Amen. The shield of faith means believing and trusting God's presence, 
God's power and the principles in response to the specific circumstances and situations you face. Our life is an act of believing God in response to these specific situations in our lives. When you go through things, isn't it amazing when people ask you, how did you do that? How did you do that? Because your life reveals what you're believing in, what you're standing on. What Paul was talking about here is applying faith strategically to those times when the enemy is attacking you. There is nothing more powerful than a believer fully convinced that God's word is truth because that is our only defense. The word of God. The word of God. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God proves true. A reminder, it proves true. That is why the enemy is always targeting that word. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And he says, trust God. Take up the shield of faith and stand firm against the enemy. Taking up the shield of faith not only covers us when the darts come at us, but our faith compels us to push forward. That is how we move forward in this belief. As we trust in God and we actioning it out and seeing the fruit of it, we're pushing forward. We're pushing forward. If you don't action it out, you'll never know where you can go because we've already made a decision that this is not going to work. Persevere in faith. That's what God says. Because we fight this battle. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And I want to end with this this morning. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Every time we take up our shield of faith, we're making it fully aware that it's Jesus. That it's Jesus. That it's Jesus. You've given a bad report from the doctor, take up your shield of faith. You've lost your job, take up that shield of faith. While you're in a place of waiting, while you're in a place of waiting, guard your mind because the enemy will just want to bring you lower and lower and make you feel like you cannot. But God says, press on to that mark. Press on, press on. I don't know who's going through that this morning. But this faith life is, a, is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the faint-hearted. If you want to persevere in this faith life, You've got to take that word. You've got to pick up that shield. God is not going to pick up the shield for you. He says, take up that shield of faith. So when the fiery darts come across, you'll be able to stand. Stand. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand this morning, Jesus? Won't you stand this morning? There's a faith life that we are called to. And I could have given you a whole different message for you to shout and scream, but I wanted you to hear something this morning that will 
penetrate your heart to know that we don't speak about faith casually. There's a part that you play in it. Faith is not just standing there. There's a part that you play in it. And unless we take up that word and let it be a revelation into our inner man, our spirit man, that yes, everything is going wrong, but the word says, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me the strength. He enables me. He equips me and he pushes me forward. The more I step into him, the more he pushes me forward. So we don't only hold that shield as a defense, but we counter attacking. The enemy may come at you from the left, pick up your shield and move it to the left. The enemy might come at you from the right, pick up your shield and move shoes it's amazing why he didn't say that the faith is the belt he said it's a shield because the shield is movable think about it faith is loving and acting and moving it is movable it is movable unshaken by anything when he comes at you from the right move it to the right comes at you from the back turn around no weapon formed against me. No weapon formed against my family. I am well able to prosper because my God delights in the prosperity of his people. He delights. He delights. What does it mean? It gives him joy, family. When you are prospering mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, materialistic, whatever it is. Prosperity is not confined to one narrow point. Prosperity is a whole thing, not just a piece. He delights in you. He delights in when your business excels. He delights when you excel in your schooling, in your job. He delights in it because he wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you healthy. Why? Scripture says, because through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Did you hear that? Whenever you are promoted, whenever God lifts you up, whenever you excel, through you it spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of Jesus. It leaves an aroma of Jesus. You walk into your company and the boss calls you in and says, I don't know why, but I have to give the promotion to you. I can't find somebody else. You're walking out with the fragrance of the Lord. Why? It can only be Jesus. It can only be Jesus. Your business, your company, your children, when they turn and come back to God, it can only be Jesus. 